0: Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. We're approaching 200 interviews. When I began the podcast after my first Camino in 2016, I never imagined I'd still be doing it almost four years later. But I love it. I love the stories, the energy, the combination of spirit and journey. Pilgrims are listening to me right now, right around the world. And it's incredible. I pinch myself and I'm most grateful. Different countries are at different stages of this pandemic. Some are still in lockdown, others are free to move around at will. Spring is just around the corner in Australia, and Sydney shines at this time of year. But I know that means the Northern Hemisphere is headed into fall and winter, and with it comes shorter days and a sense of darkness. But there is light, and we must focus on the light. And I hope we can all pray for a world of normal. I want hope and love. This podcast is about a world of travel, discovery, those moments and hours when you excitedly prepare your journey ahead. Well, I saw a wonderful post on social media this week, a picture of Winnie the Pooh staring into the heavens above. It said, sunshine is not cancelled, spring is not cancelled, love is not cancelled. Relationships are not cancelled, reading is not cancelled, naps are not cancelled, devotion is not cancelled, music is not cancelled, dancing is not cancelled, imagination is not cancelled, kindness is not cancelled, conversations are not cancelled and hope is not cancelled. Isn't that just the loveliest thought? Keep it in mind as the days get shorter or longer, wherever you are in the world. A new season, a new beginning. Pilgrims are returning to the Camino de Santiago and I've seen posts and pictures of people walking through towns I could only dream of. But our time will come. Hope is not cancelled. If you're new to the podcast, the Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims head toward the magnificent cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in Spain, St. James under a field of stars, where we're told the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred. Pilgrims have walked the Camino for centuries. It's a way to seek solace or find redemption. Remember Winnie? Devotion isn't cancelled. Pilgrims carry shells as a symbol of global pilgrimage. When you see a shell, you know a kindred spirit is near. Someone searching, and someone heading somewhere on a journey. Pilgrims follow yellow arrows in Spain to guide the way, or red and white stripes in France. They still get lost, but more often than not, they are found by other pilgrims seeking that same direction. My quote this week is a piece written by my friend and former podcast guest, Ailsa Piper. She said, for me, prayer is walking. Every step is a prayer. The way unfolds, and all it asks is trust and humility. The road always leads home, step by step. My guest this week is an Australian pilgrim, Mark David Walsh. He's on the line from Melbourne, and he's in lockdown. Hola, pilgrim.
1: Hola, Dan. How are you?
0: I'm very, very well. I'm, I'm really pleased we've got the opportunity to talk. How did the Camino come into your life?
1: That's a really good question. I think it was through um, National Geographic on Foxtel. I was watching a a documentary in 2009. This Galician musician called, I think his name was Shoel Lopez, did uh, a journey from uh, somewhere in the Netherlands to uh, Santiago, and I just became fascinated with this this journey. Um, There was something about it that um, spoke to me. And then... um, the way appeared, and then uh, six ways to Santiago, and then my fiftieth birthday was approaching, uh, and so I sort of set a goal to to reach Santiago on uh, on that day in uh, 2016. Not unlike someone else.
0: <laughs> ah, so did you arrive on your fiftieth birthday? I did.
1: Yes. No way, so,
0: really? Yep. That's great. <laughs> Oh,
1: my goodness, what a wonderful thing we share. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, just that, that lovely little bit of connection. Uh, and I've met a number of other people who've, who've used that 50th birthday as a similar sort of impetus to walk uh, the Camino. So
0: Wow, that's great. You know, the, the Camino provides an opportunity for reflection. What do you see yes. in your pilgrim reflection?
1: I think as I look back, the Camino and that 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 space that are created for me uh, is something that's still happening um, today. I think one of the, the beautiful gifts of walking a long Camino um, is to give is giving yourself that time and that space yeah. away from so many distractions. And and that just becomes an invitation. Uh, to look inside, especially when you're in the Mosetta, which, as beautiful as it is with those incredible skies and those paths just sort of going on for miles and miles ahead of you, um, just invites you to look inside, to, to be reflective, to, to take that time to, to look back over your journey that's led you to where you are. Um, and so I reckon for me, it was that space and that invitation, and it's something that I've tried to maintain, particularly at the moment in lockdown. Um, where we can go out for an hour to exercise and we're only allowed within a five-kilometre radius uh, of the house. And I'm walking some paths that, that um, you know, I've seen now many, many, many times. And that just gives you that opportunity just to look inside. It's, it's great. Yeah. I
0: think we need to see, like Winnie the Pooh said, we need to see the silver lining in many respects of what's going on around us not just in Melbourne or in Sydney, but all around the world. Mm. My 18-year-old, he's now 18-year-old, my 18-year-old son was school captain. He was at a leadership weekend, and he came home to tell me that he'd noticed one of the leaders had a yellow arrow on his lapel. And six months then, after my son met you, I was at the Australian Friends of the Camino Conference in Adelaide. We were getting together in the hall, and you said, Hey, I think I met your son. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew we'd made a connection. Now, my son is now at university. He's at college. And I told him last night I was going to be speaking to you today. And he said, oh, Dad, he's a beautiful human being. Oh, wow. Thank you. Isn't that a that's, lovely intro? That is, oh, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 went, I, I quickly jotted it down after he said it. What, what would you like to be your legacy in terms of the leadership of young people that you advocate? <sighs>
1: I think for me, I've become someone who seeks to accompany people mm. and to create a space for them to help them, I guess enter into that reflection that that will help them to discover what they truly desire. Um, and then that thing that they truly desire will be something that will benefit you know. As many people as possible. It, it, that idea of the common good, that we do things not just because they're good for us, but because they're, they're good for so many people, especially people who might be vulnerable or disadvantaged or who've fallen through cracks because of structures and attitudes and, and those sorts of things. So I guess in my work with, with the, the young leaders in the schools that, I, that I'm a part of, and also with the staff, I do a lot of work in accompanying the staff um, in reflection, and I guess it's that sense of helping them to discover their their deepest desires and 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 how those deepest desires can make this world a better place for all.
0: You know, uh, uh, people are very critical of young people often, but I have two sons, uh, nineteen and, and and seventeen, and and they are terrific young men, and their friends and associates are terrific young people i think there's a great deal of hope in our young people don't you
1: oh there is dan um i mean i was a teacher for 20 years and for the last 11 or 12 years i've been working mostly with adults but for the last three years um at the beginning of each year i've had the privilege of working with young leaders from from schools all over australia and occasionally from new zealand and they're just amazing young people they yeah. they're they're their passion, their wisdom their their generosity their their kind I mean these are the I guess the cream of the crop in some ways, those that have you know been just their communities have seen something in them but but I look at my nephews and and my nieces and uh, I see in them just such beauty and just such kindness and gentleness and and there is a lot of hope
0: yeah. Yeah, there is hope. Hey, what does your pilgrim's journey tell you about leading young people?
1: That's a good question. The journey on the Camino is about being open to, to what you experience there. Um, it's about seeing other people, walking with them. It's about listening to them. It's about talking to them. It's about, I guess, moving beyond the... The so superficial stuff, you know, I, I've heard it so many times and, and experienced it so many times on the Camino that, you know, there's no small talk. Yeah. Um, something happens when you're walking in that space that allows you to talk about things that are important. Yeah. Things that are meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, our young people want to talk about those things um, they want to experience depth, they want to experience connection. Um, and I guess that, that, that beautiful sense, one of the gifts of the Camino is that connectedness, that, that Camino community moving along with something in common, something that's brought them to this space. Uh, and I guess how do we expand that to realise that we're all part of a much bigger community? Yeah. Um, You know, within our countries, our schools, within our planet. So I guess that those sorts of insights, helping people to be open to that possibility of transformation that's there in pilgrimage, I think is really important. Wonderful. Great answer. That's fantastic. Christ
0: plays a major role in your journey, not only as a pilgrim, but as a man. Tell us about that journey.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's that's actually been part of the journey that that happened alongside the Camino de Santiago. Um, I guess I've been Catholic and worked in Catholic education since um, the late '80s, and and that the stories of Jesus um, have always been an important part of that. But at a particular point, I um, began to spend a lot of my study in um, looking at Judaism, and and my sense of. Uh, I guess, the Old Testament and and the writings of Midrash and all of those sorts of things. and had some great opportunities um, between about 2000 and and 2005 to study in Jerusalem um, the first or three of the first five books of the Bible with Jewish teachers um, and understand things that way. And in 2013, I was invited to to go and... um, live in Jerusalem by the Sisters of Our Lady of Sion, who I'd known for 30 years here in Australia. And initially part of what I would do there to, to keep a roof over my head was to um, help out with this program of Jewish studies that I'd, uh, that I'd been part of previously. Anyway, when I got there, someone else had that role and I became part of another program which was looking at the Gospels and looking at the stories of Jesus. And over those three years, um, for a month, two or three times a year, we'd have people come from around the world and we'd help them engage with that story, with those stories through the different Gospels. And the stories of Jesus came alive to me again as I was helping people to encounter them in this special place where these journeys had unfolded 2,000 years ago. And then when I came back, um, I was drawn to Ignatian spirituality again and did something called the Spiritual Exercises of um, St. Ignatius in Daily Life. And those exercises are all about forming a relationship with Jesus. And I think that really depthed my relationship to a point where um, that focus had really, in his example, in his life, we have this wonderful sense of what it means to be fully human, to be fully alive um, and to be fully in love with the world and with everyone. And I guess that, that journey happened alongside my, journey, my journeys on the Camino. How interesting! Um, it,
0: it, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, it, it's just that word that you said there—love. I mean, when it, when it all boils down to it, that was the the very essence of Christ's teaching. Yeah, and and when one, I, I imagine in your case, you've done a lot of study, you've done a lot of research, you've done a lot of insight, and 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 what have you learned? about love that you can apply in your daily life?
1: I guess love for me is a verb. Um, love is, is, is enacted, it, it's shared, it, it's done. And when I was doing the spiritual exercises, I found a lot of the time what was coming through in my reflection on my daily life was the times where I didn't operate out of love. Mm. Um, where I wasn't generous with my colleagues, where I might have been doubtful about their intents and not given them the benefit of the doubt, where I hadn't had that chance to show hospitality. And, And as I think of that, I mean, I go back to the Camino and those wonderful opportunities you have to experience hospitality and to experience something that I think can only really be described as love. Hmm. That that giving of oneself, yeah, to another person, yeah, and being that
0: being the pilgrim who is prepared to listen no matter what, yeah, yeah, and that goes back again to the space and time, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you, know. do, you do
1: you pray when you walk? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do actually, and I've gone through different stages um, with that. I've got. A beautiful little olive wood cross from Bethlehem, um, made by a lovely family there who has, has a has a business there, and I'll often carry that with me um, when I walk, and sometimes at one point I even found myself praying the rosary, and which is really odd because the rosary is something that that belongs to a I guess an age and a way of religiosity that. You know, I don't necessarily identify with a lot, but there's something about it as being a walking prayer, that repetition of ten mm. Hail Marys and an Our Father. Mm. And I was able to use the cross to count my way through them um, with the four arms in the centre of it. And, and I found that at times that became quite meditative. Um, and then there was a beautiful day. I, I was lucky enough to do what I call my sneaky Camino in um, December, January this year. It was an impulse and I'm so glad I gave in to that impulse and I found myself in Portugal walking from um, Santarim to Oporto and there was one day where I decided I'd seen my friend, John, who I'd walked from, from Tui to Finisterre with um, two years ago, praying for a friend of his um, who was experiencing real difficulties in his life and every time John would reach a cross, he'd stop and say a prayer. Um, that was a really long day because, as you know yourself, there were a lot of crosses in, um, along the road. And so I decided to do that on this one day uh, during my last walk. And each time I, I saw a cross or a shrine in someone's front yard or something like that, I would just stop and remember people or different groups of people that had been part of my journeys on the Camino. And at the end of the day, as I sat down and reflected again, I realized that there were still others that I'd forgotten, but it was just that beautiful experience that I guess John had given me an insight of a couple of years before where I was able to be present to those people in my spirit, which I think is prayer. Huh. Um, so yeah. I think that for me was one of the most profound experiences of prayer on my Caminos. What can we learn in
0: 2020 from pilgrims who have walked for centuries before us?
1: Uh, there's so much. I, I, I was just watching um, Simon Reeve's documentary on the Camino, and he, he speaks about it as this sense of people were, were walking for a sense of adventure, as much as for penance. And um, it was great that you mentioned um, Elsa Piper's book. Yeah. Um, Sinning across Spain, this idea of carrying the sins of another across the, the thing. So there was, there is this penitent, penitential sense of walking a camino. But I can imagine. You know, Simon says at one point, this is probably the only time in these people's lives that they move beyond their immediate surroundings, and it might have been to a shrine within the UK or a shrine in Europe or to Rome or to to Santiago, and I guess we can learn that from them that sense that adventure is important, imagination, openness to transformation and to bringing that back, that beautiful symbol of the scallop shell um, is there as, I guess, proof that someone had made it all the way to Santiago and they brought that back with them, um, maybe to prove to their wife that they'd been uh, going about the holy way and... uh, not just having a good time, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know, it—it uh, it was that became that symbol, and and it's there in the hero's journey of, you um, separation, initiation, and return. Um, and and I think that returning is such an important part of the Camino. Um, yeah, I think we can we can learn from those people before us because I guess they created the paths.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: You know, we walk in their footsteps, whether James is there or not. um, It doesn't matter Um, because millions of people have walked this path and made it holy and millions of people have gone there looking for something in their own lives and in in that, that communal life of their faith community that they're a part of. And I think that's what makes the place holy. That's what makes a walk across Spain, a pilgrimage.
0: You've been in lockdown in Melbourne um, and just in terms of your life in the wake of the Camino and you have a blog, which is amazing, A Pilgrim's Path. Is your journey now about bringing the Camino back home or is it about discovering it was here all along?
1: That, that was an insight that I came up with this week. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's both. Um, I, I, I said to someone, I've found a really good question. I'm not quite sure what the answer is. Yeah. Um, and there is a sense that in these last uh, few weeks where I've been sort of limited, I mean, realistically, probably only within three kilometres of my house because, you know, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a fast walker so I can't get too far away before I have to come back. Um, I've begun to rediscover the the world that I'm a part of. I'm lucky enough to live by the Yarra River, Birrarung, on the country of the Wurundjeri people. And, you know, entering into that space and along those paths and, and there's a tree there that's one of my limits and it looks a little bit like an elephant with its trunk up in the air, and I always sort of say hello to it and um, put my hand on it and, and as I get ready to turn around and, and, and come back home. And I think it's about that sense of rediscovery. Um, Annie O'Neill, who, who's a wonderful pilgrim and a wonderful person, and I think her site Pilgrimage in Place on Facebook has really helped me to dis- to bring the Camino home in these last few weeks has a quote from um, Marcel Proust that says, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes but in having new eyes. Yeah. You know, uh, wow, you know, that's th- fantastic. Th- yes, yeah, so I think maybe the Camino helps us to realise that all of those things that we experience in that beautiful path in Spain, we can also experience in our daily lives wherever they are if we're open to them. Yeah. And Annie, Annie gives a story in a beautiful little book, Every Day Camino with Annie, about how she'd never noticed the skies in LA until she came back from the Camino. And she was asking people, has something changed? You know, what's happened to our skies that all of a sudden they're just incredible, they're captivating. Um, and she realised that, it, you know, it wasn't the skies that had changed. It was her way of looking at things that had changed, and I guess for me, the, the Camino keeps giving. Like, it's—it'll be four years in a few, um, in a few months, when I would have finished that Camino, and I'm still discovering things. You know, that I, in my daily life, in in who I am, and in what I'm called to do. Yeah, it's—it's it's like the gift that keeps giving.
0: Yes, certainly is. I know. I live and breathe at every moment of every. Every day I said there is your journey now about bringing the Camino back home or is it about discovering it was here all along could that not be said of your your spiritual path as well and and that really is the focus on love
1: yeah, yeah love I think I think the the spiritual exercises and, and that journey I've been on there is is about finding out who you are
0: yeah yeah
1: you know fantastic It's about finding out what your deepest desire is yeah mm. I, I
0: you're a great advocate for the arts, especially indigenous arts. Tell us about that journey. how did that come to be such a special part of your life
1: yeah it that's been another it's been another beautiful coincidence in my life um, I was lucky enough to work with um um, a number of Aboriginal people across uh, the last 20 years, Vicky Clark, who's a muddy, muddy woman from up near um, the border of, of Victoria and New South Wales, and um, Thelma, Thelma Parker, who's my colleague at the moment. And it was actually at um, that student leaders gathering um, two years ago that I became, that journey really intensified for me. When we gathered with the young people, we were welcomed by um, Uncle Jim who who walked us on country and showed us some of the significant places for the Turrbal people whose uh, traditional country um, is Brisbane. And on the second day of that that gathering with those young people, we... Engaged in something called the Waterhole exercise, which is a an indigenous truth-telling, immersive. Um, I guess look at histories that we I wasn't taught in school about colonization and about the effects of of those things. Um, and getting into that really opened up. I guess. A whole lot of other aspects of, of of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander histories and cultures mm. and and music. I mean, yeah. I was just listening to Kev Carmody's uh, the the Kev Carmody tribute um, that's just been released, um, and that beautiful version of um, From Little Things Big Things yeah, Grow yeah. by Electric Fields. Um, you know, just the, the the it's just so incredible. The the gifts and the talents um, that, that often aren't recognised. Um, and one of the great things that's got me through all of this COVID is um, Delivered Live, which is something um, which comes out of a special studio in Richmond or until we went into this stage of lockdown, it did. Now they've moved the acts to Sydney. And there's often great young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander performers on that who I'm discovering new music again. Um, you know, when you get to 30 and your musical <laughs> tastes sort of, slow down a little bit it's 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 revived for me um you know and just you know seeing these artists and, and hearing their stories and and listening to their music has been really really great
0: you're, you're mindful of the path of Indigenous Australians as well. I read On a Pilgrim's Path, your blog on Facebook, you wrote, let us all enjoy the pilgrimage to the sacred earth of our gardens or to the path by the local river, Birurang Yarra, on the country of the Wurundjeri people. Is that right? Wurundjeri. Wurundjeri people. Or mm-hmm. wherever you can wander with purpose. It's, that's a lovely sentiment. Wandering with purpose, especially mindful of the significance of that land to those people mm. so you're not if you can wander that land with that purpose you're really paying respect aren't you yeah to the to the original owners of that land who have yeah. been there for tens of thousands of years
1: yeah it, it's about being this idea of, of country uh, I've learned from from my Aboriginal friends is is about this community of of life that 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 is in a place above the ground, below the ground, human beings, mm. other beings, and I guess that that sense of being present to that and walking with purpose, I guess that's the essence of pilgrimage yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing is that the there's also the joy and beauty of the history of their pilgrimage. Yeah, our our indigenous ancestors' their pilgrimage is here. We are talking about something people have been walking 1500 years. They've been 60,000 years of pilgrimage.
1: Yeah, I I was lucky enough um, to go into country with with my colleague Thelma um, near Mount Isa, and as we were walking on the country, she said, see that those hills and those trees, that's part of my mother's storying. Um, The land holds the story. Yeah. The land can, it, 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 there's, it's, I guess it's like the Camino Frances. There's something in that land. There's something in that space, in that history, in in those those beautiful, um, you know, the the people of that place the their stories their journeys that we connect into when we when we we walk with purpose um and so to have that privilege here in australia you know of walking in the footsteps of the oldest living culture in the world is just a great privilege yeah
0: you know uh, um you also wrote on the blog the spanish philosopher ortega igasse is that right igasse I'm not sure. I think it's Ortega, I to say,
1: Yeah, I'm terrible at pronunciation.
0: It's not my pronunciation. I'm terrible at pronunciation. <laughs> but
1: but it, the, the, the
0: Spanish philosopher who wrote, tell me the place where you live and I'll tell you who you are. Mm. And that's exactly what you were just talking about. That, yeah. That, that your friend was able to point to the mountains and say, that's part of my heritage, that part of my culture, that's part of my spirit, that's who
1: I am. It's, it's, it's that connection to identity. Um, and I guess that's part of the, this journey that I've been on with this, the truth-telling, is um, that we own our stories, that we own our history, that it's important for us, as people who've benefited from colonisation, to know our history, know that we can't go back and change the past, but knowing our history can help us to change the future. And I think that's really important.
0: That's a very simple message, but, gee, it's a very difficult sell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a very simple message. if And if we could just use that as, a, as, as, a, as a, almost like a motto, oh, the world would be such a, a better place and there would be such a depth of understanding that sadly is lacking in in most relationships in terms of our indigenous cousins and brothers and sisters, and it's just a disgrace, yeah. to be honest, in many respects, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and, and, and I guess as you say that, I, I reflect that, I guess, the opposite of love. And I think Michael Looning said it, there are only two things, love and fear. And it's fear, I guess, that maybe stops us from giving ourselves, fear might stop us from ever going on pilgrimage. Fear might stop us from ever putting ourselves in that that vulnerable place that will allow us to grow. Mm. I think that's that's you know love is the answer to that. Love is openness. Love is is receptive. It's 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 generous. Yeah. It's other centered.
0: Yeah. Wow. Great answer. You know, let's go next level. Um, you, you posted this week of the Canadian poet Mary de la Vallette from 1994. Oh. And the poem says, I do not have to go to sacred places in far-off lands. The ground I stand on is holy. Here in this little garden I tend. My pilgrimage Whoa. ends. The wild honeybees, the hummingbird moths, the flickering fireflies at dusk are a microcosm of the universe. Each seed that grows, each spade of soil is full of miracles. And I toil and sweat and watch and wonder and am full of love, living in this place, for truth and beauty dwell here.
1: Isn't it it a great, great
0: poem? just breathtakingly beautiful.
1: But when
0: I wrote it out last night and I was in touch with you last night, I couldn't find it. I'm not much good at social media, but I couldn't find it and you sent it to me. And I quickly copied and pasted it over to this document and then I typed underneath, are you surprised, Mark, this pilgrim life has enveloped you?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's been a beautiful surprise. And I think it's something that's really... gotten much deeper you know when you come back from a Camino and you want to keep it alive so you might have some Manchego and Chorizo (laughs) and Tempranillo (laughs) on a Friday night and watch a you know watch a Camino (laughs) vlog on on YouTube and you know um. oh yeah I yeah listen to a couple (laughs) uh, of podcasts (laughs) yep yep um and like I still do that but alongside that has been this realisation that the space that I found on the Camino to, to reflect, the space that I found on the Camino to, to look at my journey, I had to recreate here. Um, and I had that beautiful privilege of being able to do the spiritual exercises over eight months in 2018, and, and that was like walking another Camino. It was like an hour of prayer every day and then meeting with my spiritual director or spiritual companion once a week to talk about that. Um, and that's a practice I now keep up on a monthly basis. And I guess it's that sense of how do I create that space in my life to be aware of what I'm doing, to be aware of where I guess I'm moving towards love, or where I'm moving away from love, or as Ignatius would say, moving towards Christ or God or moving away from that. Um, That's been really, really, that's been a big surprise, but not a surprise because if I look back over my journey, it's been leading to that. You um, You know how you look back over things and you can see in hindsight that there were certain little yarrow, yellow arrows yeah. um, pointing the way. That yeah. at the time you didn't understand where they were going. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Perhaps you you you'd needed that direction. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess that the Camino and the living in Jerusalem for three years and and all of that has just, I guess, really enabled me to come back to the work that I do and probably be able to do it much better than I've ever been able to do it before. And I think that's made a profound difference.
0: Hmm. Let's go back to the Camino, the footsteps yep. in Spain and in Portugal. Uh, people say your Camino begins the day you start preparing. Do you get that sense?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I walked my first Camino, um, my, my grandmother passed away in 2013 and we were at my parents' house. The family had gathered there on that day and, and at that point I'd committed myself to moving to Jerusalem for what was going to be a couple of years um, and I was talking about the Camino with my cousin who's a month younger than me and I said, I, I really want to walk into Santiago on my 50th birthday and he said, well, I'll come with you. And that, I guess, that commitment to one another to to make that walk in 2016, I guess, became the beginning of my Camino. Um, And we, Paul and I walked, and a friend of his called James, we walked 300 kilometres together. But then different things started to happen. Um, Alice was... um, a pilgrim in our program in Jerusalem and she was going to walk the Camino and and I followed it on Facebook and she walked from Saint-Jean to La Grogna with her father and I think it was the wine fountain that that convinced me that I had to walk the first part of the Camino as well. Um, So it was just that movement. It gradually began to unfold and to plan and then Christmas Eve 2015, um, I walked from Ein Kerem, where I was living, to Bethlehem for um, Christmas Mass. And that, I think, became the beginning of my walking the Camino. I had these other moments that had been part of that journey, but walking that pilgrimage to to the place where the story of Jesus' birth has been commemorated for almost 2,000 years... That became the beginning of my walking. Um, and I took that into the next year um, into the Camino itself. And I think that preparation is so important. Yeah you know I, I admire these people who walk walk a Camino on women. <laughs> um, but if you can give yourself that time to prepare, yeah I think it, it opens yourself it opens a much richer experience. Yeah, there's
0: no question, and there's there's also the danger of um, not being adequately prepared, um, creating problems for you that you'd rather do without. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty straightforward. Hey, yeah. w- what do you find most rewarding about the Camino?
1: Just that opportunity to be with people. Mm, yeah. um, I was reflecting on that that this morning. Um, this day in two thousand, I ended up walking my first Camino in two parts. One in August, um, then I had to go back to Jerusalem for for a while to to for one of our biblical programs, and then I came back in November to finish it with my cousin and his friend. And this day. In 2016, I was walking from Carrion de las Condes to Calcedilla de la Cuesa and it's that 17-kilometre stretch where the road is just totally straight and the three days before that I'd done a series of 30-30s, 30, um, 30 kilometres in over 30 day 30 degrees heat. No. And I think I was chasing a group of people. That I'd walked the first 10 days with to Burgos with the thought that when they took a rest day in Leon, because they didn't take one in Burgos where I did, we'd meet again. And I was kind of chasing that and chasing that with this, you know, this group of people. And then I woke up that next morning and I just felt so ordinary. Um, I think I maybe hadn't drunk enough water the day before, but I had to go to bed. I was staying in a convent. One of the nuns there said, you know, there's a the bus. You could take it to Sagun and, you know, rest there yeah, and yeah, continue. Yeah. Um, but something amazing happened at that same time. For the first day in, a, in, in virtually the whole of the Camino, the temperature dropped to 23 degrees. And I was able to, with that coolness, manage the 17 kilometres to the next, the next stop where I fell in with another group of people who I walked with then the next few days to lay on in a leisurely manner. Um, And then on the the next Camino, um, the next leg of that Camino, when we hit Saria, we fell in with a group of people and there's two lovely young German women, um, Anna and Jana, and we all knew it was, you know, we were approaching my birthday and all of that, and a couple of days before they'd said, what's your favourite fruit? And I said, oh, I have to say a banana, I think. <laughs> um, and so the morning of my 50th birthday, that day we were all to walk into Santiago, we were all going to gather in a cafe to begin the day. And um, my cousin Paul, who'd stayed somewhere separate um, to the albergue that I was in, um, turned up and we had a coffee. And then Anna and Yana turned up with two bananas. <laughs> And on these bananas, they'd drawn a whole lot of little pictures and stories about our little Camino family. Oh, wow. And our journey over these five days. Um, and it was just the most beautiful experience. And then later we, we, we ran into another Korean guy who'd been walking and it was his birthday as well. And so that night um, we all went out and we, we sang karaoke till uh, three o'clock in the morning. Uh- Um, which because we we didn't have to walk the next day and um, I just think those experiences where you get to spend quality time with people are just such a gift
0: yeah 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 that's great what did you find most challenging if that was most rewarding what is most challenging (laughs)
1: uh I think the physical part of it can be quite challenging at times um you know, that, that walking, there were, there were some mornings where I woke up and I thought, why am I doing this? Um, (laughs) I was just reading a blog written by an American guy called Jim Booth, who I walked with those first 10 days. And I struggled to keep up with Jim. Um, Jim was a really brisk walker and he was in his early seventies, I think at the time. (laughs) And I felt, um, you know, I I I reckon I've got the older I've got the slower I've gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, four kilometres an hour is good for me now, um, and it's that physical nature. And he said, you know, you have got to get up and walk early before you remember <laughs> how hard it is to walk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he While well, you're still in while well, you're still in a daze, you have got to get going.
0: <laughs> That's so you, true.
1: You know, if you if you tell yourself what you're doing. You know, why on earth would you get up and walk 30 kilometres in 30-degree oh. heat? Day um, after day after day after, after day. After day but, there's, <laughs>
0: but there's something about it. There's something about it. <laughs> hey, what what did you learn about other people on the Camino, do you think?
1: Oh, this has been one of my great – one of the great gifts of the Camino, Um while I was living in Jerusalem, I was primarily there as a student. I was helping out with the biblical programs, but I was living in a guest house, and we had pilgrims coming from all over the place and locals and and we we'd serve them and and you know I'd do a little bit of work in the dining room and work in reception and those sorts of things and Then what I learned about people on the Camino was just absolute generosity hmm. um, there was a great story I was just reflecting on this morning and I was just going to post uh, something on my Facebook page um, when I finish it. Um, there was a group of us that kind of ended up becoming the nucleus of our Camino community in those first 10 days and I, a blister began to inhabit one of my feet, one of my heels um, after a few days and it was gradually growing and I'd stopped by the side of the road to do something about it, like way, way too late. But um, Jeff and his dad, David, um, who we'd been walking with, stopped to make sure that I was okay, um, you know, saw that I'd put the, dealt with the blister all right, and, and then we started walking. And after a while, my pace and their pace just didn't match. And they, they said, I said, look, I'm slowing you down, we'll meet up again. And so they walked off and I kept walking and came up to a food truck in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I was still probably 20, 30 metres away from it and um, Jeff saw me, got out of his chair, you know, walked up to me and said, give me a bag, go and order something and join us at the table. And just that, that beautiful generosity of, coming up and taking that bag for me, stopping and making sure I was okay. Another time I'd broken the arm of my glasses and Jeff, who was teaching um, English in Spain at the time, um, helped me uh, with the uh, local optometrist who fixed the arm of my glasses and then wouldn't accept any money um, for it. And and then, and, you know, just those beautiful opportunities of hospitality and generosity, Mm. which when I came back to Jerusalem to the guest house, really changed the way that I looked at the service that I was providing there. It really made me more conscious of how I could be, show hospitality and how I could be generous to others. I think, you know, yeah, that's what people taught me. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Hey, tell us a pilgrim's story In 2018, there were a group of people who wanted to walk the Camino and I'd kind of been helping them along the way with sort of some advice and those sorts of things and and in the end decided to walk with them. And and so the way things transpired, we were all going to walk from Tui on the border of Portugal and Spain Mm -hmm. up the central route of the, the Portuguese to Santiago. So that was about six days. And then John and myself were going to walk to... Finisterre and Mushia after that, um, because I'd never gotten there the first time that I walked the Camino. Um, And one of our companions in this group, Catherine, is an Anglican priest. And I'll never forget, we had mass along the way, she'd say the Eucharist with us. And one of these, I can't remember the town it was in, but we couldn't couldn't find, the only space we could find to, to share this this, the Eucharist, the Mass together, was a little bench um, across the river from a skate park. And so here we are, four of us sitting on each of the corners of this bench and the bread and the wine in between us, and and just sharing this, this lovely moment uh, together. And But I couldn't help thinking all the time, someone's going to come and arrest us. You know, <laughs> the scandal of a woman saying Mass in in Catholic traditional Spain, I thought, oh, this is just way too much. But it was just one of those beautiful experiences. Oh, and then when we got to Santiago, a friend of mine, Marianne, who I'd also been part of her journey um, in preparing for the Camino, she'd been walking at the same time on the Frances. And it just happened that because of the dates we'd all chosen, our paths intersected in Santiago. So, so Marianne joined us and we went back to our apartment that the four of us had rented, and we had a beautiful mass around the kitchen table with the five of us um, using the port for wine that we'd bought in um, Porto um, as we'd begun our journey a, a while back. And, and just that beautiful, I guess, that sense of being together and remembering that story of, of Jesus and, and the bread, the wine, the community, um, the companionship, um companionship is to break bread with someone the compañeros and compañeras and i think yeah that, that that was just a beautiful part of of those journeys with those friends um and the way they they panned out
0: love yeah the love yeah yeah it's so great mark i've i've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you my quote this week written by my friend and and former podcast guest, Alsa Piper. For me, prayer is walking. Every step is a prayer. The way unfolds and all it asks is trust and humility. The road always leads home, step by step. So go home, man. Go home. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Mark.
1: Oh, thank you, Dan, for for giving... This time and creating this beautiful space. Yeah, well, I, I, knew, um, I knew the
0: day I met you that we were kind of kindred spirits in a way, uh, and and pilgrims is it's always lovely to talk to a fellow pilgrim, someone it on is. a journey, someone on a journey. God bless, my friend. Thank you so much. You too. Buen Thank camino. You. Buen camino. Thank
1: you.
0: My guest this week, the Australian pilgrim, Mark David Walsh. You can find Mark and his blog on Facebook, A Pilgrim's Path. One more time. My quote this week is a piece written by my friend and former podcast guest, Elsa Piper. For me, prayer is walking. Every step is a prayer. The way unfolds, and all it asks is trust and humility. The road always leads home, step by step. Home is waiting. The Camino is waiting too. It's home for me and you. I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Things grow from little things, big things grow from little things, big things grow.